Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Editor Madhuni Krishnan. I'm joined today by Edward Ned Russell, my friend and colleague at Skift and Airline Weekly. In today's episode, we talk about United's new air taxi business, or hopes for an air taxi business, um, to connect the last mile between its hub airports and either downtowns or smaller smaller airports. We talk about Spirit and how it's sitting pretty with uh, with the uh, leisure traffic and the recovery and with vacationers. And uh, we, we, we go into a little bit about Mexico and, and what's going on south of the border. Uh, Aeromexico's earnings are to be released this week, as are Volaris's. Volaris is doing really well from its visiting friends and relatives, VFR traffic. And uh, Aeromexico signed a deal with its unions that may unleash some more funding, may complicate things. The company's in bankruptcy and hopes to uh, exit soon. But its bankruptcy, the fact that Interjet can't pay its fuel bills, really makes Volaris's situation pretty good. Uh, we also talked about Atlas and the growth in cargo. So thank you for joining us. So Ned, uh, let's start with this United Air Taxi thing. Um, this was this got a lot of press, both in the consumer and trade press. Um, you were on it like uh, like nobody's business. Tell me, tell me what's going on with this ET. This uh, <laughs> no, your guess I, at the Madhu, your guess at the at the acronym is is as good as mine. You know, they have United signed basically what amounts to an MOU with this company called Archer Aviation for up to 200 of these four-seater electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, EV2OLs. Uh, I'm just calling them electric helicopter-like aircraft, though I know that there are many out there that would scream that they're very different from helicopters. Uh, Basically, the idea is by as soon as 2024 that these could be ferrying passengers from uh, existing helipads and GA airports and maybe the L.A. Basin or lower Manhattan to LAX or Newark Airport. And United could offer this as a, you know, additional connection, you know, kind of offer on your ticket for 100 extra dollars and that's just me throwing out a fare. You can you know, beat traffic on the 405 up to uh, West L.A. or something. Well, okay. So, is it, I mean, this is sort of their attempt to, do, to finish the last mile, right? So they're, they'll be connecting smaller airports to their hubs. Now, are they – you mentioned some downtown areas. Would these, would these aircraft also operate from, say – you know, a helipad somewhere in downtown LA or New York? That's the idea. I spoke to the founders of Archer and basically the, initially they're thinking we're going to use airports and existing helipads. So think, uh, think Van Nuys Airport in the Valley in LA. You mm-hmm. could have a link to LAX there. You know, and these, these planes only have a 60 mile uh, uh, range. So it's not, you're not going to be flying, you know, to Palm Springs or to Fresno on them. But, you know, from Van Nuys, from I don't know where in downtown LA there's a helipad, but I, you know, I always think of the building that they blew up in Independence Day. You know, maybe they land up <laughs> there and you have a have a link straight to LAX. But um, you know that that's the initial plan: existing helicopter, commercial helicopter uh, corridors and airports. You know, they're not going to be trying to reinvent the wheel with these things. But um, you know, when we say that, I want to I want to be very cautious on this. These planes have not been certified. They've, the right. engines have not been certified by the FAA, and I've spoken to a number of people in the EVTL community, and they think the idea that this could be certified and flying by 2024 is 
very much a long shot. You know, they're thinking more five to seven years just for certification, uh, let alone entry into service or passenger flights. So that would put us towards the end of the decade. Well, you spoke to people at Archer. I mean, what what is their their timeline for even manufacturing all these aircraft? Well, they think they can do it really quickly. They're, they say oh. they've got uh, Stellantis, which is the new uh, auto manufacturer created by uh, by Fiat Chrysler and um, Peugeot, and they've signed a contract for their man- to, for them to manufacture these these new aircraft. And then you know they say they're going to use off the shelf battery and engine technology. But again, the thing while the batteries are maybe there, the engines haven't been certified. You know there is no electric engine that is certified by the FAA for airplane for flight yet. So yeah. you know there's still a lot of hurdles to jump through. Well, yeah, and, and you know the timeline that w- was in the United Press release seemed very ambitious to me. Yeah, um, I think the best and- quote that I got uh, was you know someone said. That this is essentially Archer now has a sales meeting with United in 2023 or 2024, much more so than these planes are actually going to start flying. <laughs> Interesting. So do, do you think this is sort of greenwashing on United's part? I mean, they, they announced it with a lot of fanfare, right? And the, the, their commitment to being carbon neutral, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, is it, but we, we know the reality of getting these aircraft certified is, is it's a long road to get anything that flies certified. So, and also this sounds a little Jetsons-y. I'm sorry, Ned, you may not know the reference, but it does sound a little too Jetsons-like to, to be something we can see flying in two years. Excuse me, I, I have this perfect image of George Jetson and his little, like, <laughs> space vehicle flying through the air. Exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, it is very Jetson-y. You know, United, it, I, I think it is some greenwashing on United's part. They've done a lot to, to push for these green initiatives, and I applaud them for that. For it. That is great to see a major corporation doing that. But I, I think we have to be realistic about the time frames. You know, I, I have a feeling their carbon capture technology, because that's probably further along and doesn't need to meet the kind of rigors that the FAA of an airplane is much more likely to come to market sooner than EVTOLs connecting you from LAX to the valley. Uh, yeah. you know, at the same time, you see, you see the LA Basin spending billions upon billions of dollars trying to build trains around that region, connect LAX mm-hmm. to their growing train network. I mean... If we're thinking about being green, I think that's going to be far more green before these are flying uh, in in the near future. Yes, we might have we're probably going to have electric aircraft at some point, but I think twenty twenty four is far far uh, too optimistic. Right. Let's shift gears now to talk about Spirit, which you covered last week, and Spirit, the airline that. Uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you covered Spirit last week, and um, Spirit, like Allegiant, is is unique and. Uh, Poised to take advantage of um, of this leisure traffic recovery. What uh, what did you hear on the earnings call? Very much so. You know, Madhu, they're gearing up and ready for for the year. You know, they think by by this summer they're going to be back to the twenty nineteen capacity, which is is great. Wow. You know, we've we've seen we've, you know, they would be among the first. I think Allegiant is also set about the same time frame. But I want to caution, they also they say they're not going to be back to where they thought they would be until well into 2022, because in their way they describe is they've still taken delivery of 15 or so new jets, and they're not going to be using all those planes at full, uh, you know, to full utilization by mid-year. So being back to 2019, they're still going to be several years behind where they thought they would be in their, in their plan by mid-2021. 
But yeah, it was it was a positive story from Spirit. They're optimistic. Leisure travelers are coming back, and and they're benefiting from the recovery. You know, barring there's something you know really resets the recovery. And you know, I think when we saw the Biden administration say they're not planning on implementing a domestic testing mandate, uh, mm-hmm. things are moving forward. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so uh, they will have their 2019 capacity. I mean, that's kind of remarkable when you think of it. They'll have their 2019 capacity by this back by this summer. Um, now, capacity is one thing. What are they saying? What are they? They predict their traffic will be back to 2019 by uh, by the summer. You know, they didn't go that far. Uh, yeah. I think revenues are still going to be down some. But the thing is, is you know, they've got far lower costs uh, than any of the mainline players, and you know. Th- they don't need the high dollar business travelers that United American and Delta rely on to generate their profits. You know, they're fine if they're filling their planes with, with you know, mom and dad going to see uh, see the, their cousins or something, um, paying for every seat assignment and checked bag. So, you know, they can make their business model work in this market and they can make it work well. Did they say anything about ancillary revenue on their call? They didn't really mention part. it. Okay. It's a big part, but, you know, they, did, they didn't really talk about it. Huh. Well, so we've got uh, we've got uh, a few earnings coming up this week. Um, Aeromexico will will drop its earnings today, or by the time but by, by the time this podcast is published, Aeromexico's uh, earnings will have been released. We are a little bit behind, so we don't actually have our hands on the numbers. But uh, Aeromexico, well, Mexico in general is pretty interesting right now, and um, Aeromexico, as I said, has been in bankruptcy. Uh, it was sort of the dominant carrier in Mexico, still is. But uh, what do you, what do you, what do you, what should we look out for, Ned? Well, what I'm really curious is where they stand with their unions, and and you've been mm-hmm. covering this closely, Madhu. Aero Mexico, I mean, for a few months there, it looked like they were going to have to seek to terminate their union contracts through bankruptcy, which you know is always a on the table when an airline reorganizes, but is sort of. Um, you know, it's sort of the last, uh, you know, the last straw that they want to go down because you ruin your relationships with your unions. And right. we've seen where that goes with airlines in the past. I mean, it can take years, decades to rebuild those if the airline even survives. So I'm really curious what they say about that. Now, I should say Aeromexico did reach a tentative deal with the unions two or yes. three weeks ago. So see if there's any more color in there. You know, I'm sure they're going to lose money. It was a bad year. Uh, but we see Valeris growing rapidly, like recovering pretty rapidly through this, and their earnings drop on Friday. So I think it's going to be an interesting comparison to see Aeromexico versus Valeris. Uh, see if, if south of the border that the you know, leisure-first discount uh, model is, is recovering faster than the full fare legacy model. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right there, Ned. I mean, uh, Aeromexico... Um, was able to release another round of funding, uh, debtor, uh, bankruptcy funding through bankruptcy when it signed a concessionary deal with both its pilots and flight attendants union. But it was a little touch and go there for a few, for a few weeks. Uh, the, the, both unions had no interest in um, offering concessions, and uh, there, as you said, it was getting pretty toxic. But they all sort of agreed on something a couple of weeks ago. So, but it, I, I'm I'm looking out for more color on that. Uh, as you know, airlines in bankruptcy aren't as for, forthcoming with their earnings. But Volaris, Volaris is really interesting. I mean, Volaris, the the Aeromexico situation is helping Volaris sit pretty. Interjet hasn't really been able to pay its fuel bill for a couple of months and is essentially grounded. Uh, 
It's and it I believe got rid of or at least retired its A three twenty fleet. Wasn't it the Lessers re like repossessed yes. <laughs> the A three twenty fleet? <laughs> so and they have like I believe it's six of their uh their Sukhoi superjets in operation. Well, when they could pay their fuel bill. Yeah. So so that that eliminates you know, basically two competitors for Volaris. And Volaris is uh, I mean, Volaris always makes a point of saying that they don't see other airlines in Mexico as their competitors. They see the inner city bus network as their competition. So, uh, you know, their relentless focus on VFR, even, you know, in the before times, I remember talking to Volaris executives and they, they, I would ask them about business traffic and they said, yeah, it's nice to have, but we don't really care. Right. We're we're just VFR. Yeah. Yeah. And you see them, you see Volaris adding new transborder routes even today. And they're going to places that you, I, Fresno and, you know, small places right. that you wouldn't think of need a flight nonstop to Mexico. We're talking about the VFR market. We're not talking about uh, American leisure travelers visiting Mexico. We're talking about, you know, Mexicans visiting family in the U.S. and in, in Mexico. So, yeah. And, there's- and Fresno, in that case, makes a whole lot of sense because Central Valley, very large, Central Valley of California, very large um, Mexican descent and Mexican population. So that connection makes a lot of sense. Oh, yes. It's an underserved market. So. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And good for Fresno Airport, landing new air service. You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the I, I really be- do. I really question one thing that I'm watching closely in Mexico is just what happens with the slots in a place like Mexico City. You know, as, <laughs> as this, you know, is, yeah. is Mexico going to have to divest some through through bankruptcy or or interjets going to be picked up by Valeris? You know, it, I think that's the biggest question and really what's going to drive, you know, growth for an airline like Valeris going forward. Yeah, and actually, since you brought up Mexico City, I mean, what uh, what does this mean for the the new airport project? I mean, we know that uh, the current president of Mexico canceled the, the I think, the, the, the new airport for Mexico City that already had, what was it, like $2 billion invested in it? Oh, yeah. Two billion, yeah the the like outline that. of the terminal could be seen from takeoff from the existing Mexico City airport. Like, I mean, they've already put significant amount of money into the new airport already. Like you said, $2 billion or something. Construction was well underway. Yeah. And, you know, the, the administration has shifted its focus to an underused military airport in the region, which none of the airlines seems to like as a solution. So, um, but does... Does the pandemic and the fall in traffic, does that take the pressure off Mexico City and finding an alternative to Mexico City? I mean, I, I don't know if that's not, we, anyone knows that right now, how long lasting that effect will be. I'm sure some of the pressure, the pressure is off for a little bit now, but what does that mean two years from now? Right, right. I mean, I think at this point we need to look at any air traffic market. And I think, no, I know air travel will recover. Mexico City's capacity issues will become an issue again. You know, maybe yes. they've gotten a you know two or three year reprieve. Maybe it's four or five years. I don't know. I don't claim to know. But they're going to need more capacity in Mexico City. And you know, the idea about expanding this military base into commercial air service it just doesn't fit modern airline model, if you think about it. Like, right. Aeromexico wants to turn Mexico City into a major hub for the Americas, much like Copa has in Panama City. Mm-hmm. 
And you can't do that with two airports because it's not that the the military base will replace uh, the current airport. It's, it will complement it. And right. Aeromexico is not going to split their hub between two airports. So And there, there's, what, 45 minutes at least in distance, like ground distance between the two? I believe so. Series? And that's not including Mexico City traffic, which we all know is right. notoriously <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, that. so how that I mean, and, you know, if you talk to IATA, IATA says, you know, the region governments in the region have it's such a tendency to underinvest in infrastructure because it's not politically um, it's it, there's no political benefit to it. I mean, if you talk to IATA, they say a lot of the way investment works in a lot of Latin America is, you know, uh, a government or a political figure will spearhead investment has no interest in spearheading investment in an airport when the payoff will be 20 years from now. There's, 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 there's no short-term political gain. So that's, that's prevented a lot of um, investment in the region. And I, I still can't confess to understand what the current Mexican president was thinking when he, when his administration canceled the airport that was well on its way. I, don't I remember writing a, a, a writing a story about how the uh, it would cost the government more to cancel the project than in what it was going to cost them to just finish the project. But I mean, yeah. electoral optics it's it, it is baffles right. me. And a lingering notion that uh, air travel is is for the rich, right? And um, and is not <clears throat> whatever Valar says to the contrary that they're just as, they're you know they're just as cheap as the bus, if not cheaper. Um, there is a lingering sentiment that uh, air travel is not a popular thing, uh, mode of conveyance. So Absolutely. It's interesting. So the other, I mean, we've got a few more minutes before we go. The other thing I'm looking at and excited about, you know my love for cargo is Atlas Air will report its earnings later this week, the day this, uh, this uh, <laughs> podcast goes live. And I'm curious to hear how, if it also has taken, you know, taken advantage of this e-commerce boom and this cargo boom. As you know, Ned, cargo has made some airlines ter- profitable, like uh, Korean. <laughs> I mean, and, Sun Country, which we talked about last week, I, I mean, it, yes. it, it, they didn't turn a profit on cargo alone, but it definitely contributed to that. Yeah, yeah, it was a fantastic revenue line item for them. I mean, that's something that none of their competitors in the U.S. have. And United and American, Turkish, and all sorts of airlines are converting passenger aircraft to fly cargo flights. So Atlas, uh, Atlas will be interesting. I mean, Atlas is interesting anyway. It's the world's largest operator of 747s now. Didn't they just is... pick up a few more? Was it seven? Yeah. Yeah, they bought four uh, 747-8 freighters, uh, so keeping that line alive for a little bit longer. Um, they do have some passenger 747s. I think they use in charter up, uh, but they, they have a whole bunch of 747-400Fs, which is interesting. I never thought the largest operator of the, the, the former queen of the skies would be a cargo operator. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone did, (laughs) (laughs) but it makes sense. It's a wonderful cargo aircraft. Um, All right, Ned, that is all we have time for today. I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, Well, it is your job, but uh, (laughs) thank you. Happy to join you, Madhu. Happy to join you. And we will talk again soon. And for all of you listening, um, check us out at airlineweekly.com. And if you have any feedback, you can reach me at mu at skiff.com. And you can reach Ned at er at skiff.com. Goodbye, Ned. Bye, Madhu. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. 
Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. And of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.